0: Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm
1: your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. I have a periodic co-host on the show, Chris Knutsen, who's not here with me today, but he is relocating to Germany. We've got some interesting episodes coming up from some places that he's been over in Europe, especially on our project segments, which we're excited. But I do have a pretty cool episode today. First in the project segment, I'm going to talk about the new well, the Capital Visitor Center in Washington, D.C. It's not terribly new, but we were just there with the Engineering career summit. We took a tour of it and it was amazing. So I'm going to provide a little summary and I'll attach some photos in the show notes. You can check out some of our pictures. It's an extraordinary, extraordinary landmark. It's, it's beautiful. And then also I recently was able to catch up, um, have lunch with a colleague of mine, Tom Otto, and Tom Otto has been a civil engineer for 50 plus years. That's 550 five years. He's had his own firm for approximately 35 years. So, there's a little background noise in that segment of the show cuz I did meet him in a diner, but I think you can hear everything he has to say and I think it's really valuable. So, we didn't want to pass up on it. So, I hope you I hope you take a lot out of it. So, what we're going to do is we're going to jump in right now to the civil engineering project of the week segment and talk a little bit about The Washington, D.C. Capital Visitor Center.
0: Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast.
1: All right. So the U.S. Capital Visitor Center is an extraordinary place. I'm going to dive into it now and talk a little bit about it. However, please note the show notes for this episode. We'll contain a summary of all the key points that I'm talking about, links of any resources, websites, or books that are mentioned by the guest, by myself. We'll also have some photos of the Capitol from our trip in there. And the show notes can be found at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Just look for episode number seven. Alright, right, so let me give you an overview of the Capitol Center. The U.S. Capitol Visitor Center, it provides a welcoming and educational environment for visitors to learn about the different characteristics of both the House and the Senate and the entire legislative process, as well as the history and development of the architecture of the U.S. Capitol, which is such a beautiful structure. The visitor experience is an intellectual and really an emotional account, encounter, and the way that they designed this structure was amazing. I mean, the way that they put the sunlight in, so you could see the dome of the Capitol, the, the the stone that they used, the layout of the entire place. It's, it's truly phenomenal, and if you ever want to go down there and take a, a tour, please email me at afasano at engineeringcareercoach.com. There was a wonderful gentleman by the name of Tom Fontana who gave us a tour there. He gave us his contact information and told us that you know we can refer people to him, and he gave us a tremendous tour, loaded with all different kinds of stories of our, our nation's past, and it was, it was really phenomenal. So the project location is beneath the East Front Plaza of the U.S. Capitol at First Street and East Capitol Street. It's underground, which which is which is amazing, and, and you'll you'll hear about the project challenges in a minute. But the size of this project, the U.S. Capitol Visitor Center, is approximately five hundred eighty thousand square feet. It's the largest project in the Capitol's more than two century history, and it's approximately three quarters the size of the Capitol itself. The entire facility is located underground. Again, as a civil engineer, this is like thrilling to me. On the east side of the Capitol. So it doesn't detract necessarily from the appearance of the Capitol and the grounds that were originally designed by Frederick Law Olmsted back in 1874. Now here's another one you'll appreciate as a civil engineer. The project budget for construction, the cost was originally proposed to be $71 million, but it has since it rose to $620 million. And again, this is approximate, but you can see the magnitude there. Project completion, the actual construction of the visitor center began in 2002. By the fall of 2003, the excavation was pretty much complete, and then the buildup of the structure began. Personnel began to occupy the building in 2008, in the summer, and it was dedicated and officially opened in December of 2008. Some of the special design features and their challenges The excavation for the Capitol Visitor Center required the removal of 65,000 truckloads of soil or 650,000 cubic yards of material. And workers set more than 400,000 pieces of stone. Some of the pieces weighing as much as 500 pounds. Phenomenal. I'm telling you, this is a phenomenal project. If you're a civil engineer, you've got to get to the Capitol Visitor Center. The stone that they used in the Visitor Center... Was selected based on how it matched the existing colors and texture of the stone in the Capitol. Sandstone was the principal material used in the original Capitol. That's also the dominant stone that they used in the Visitor Center, with nearly two hundred thousand square feet of coverage on the interior walls and columns. The Visitor Center was designed to incorporate as many sustainable and low impact features as possible, with some constraints based on the these requirements. It was built below an existing parking lot and is uh, considered a redevelopment of an urban site, which did not increase the amount of hard surfaces relative to runoff. Actually, the East Capitol grounds are greener now because the landscaping has been completed with a total of 85 new trees, which was more than was removed for the construction. And that was intended to kind of revive the scenic views that the original designer, Olmsted envisioned when he designed it again back in 1874. There is a, all kinds of amazing aspects in the interior of the building. There's state of the art, high efficiency fans and motors used for mechanical systems and a use of outside air for cooling. It's, it's, it's just tremendous. I mean, going and looking at all these different fixtures, the way that it flew, we kind of, kind of got a behind the scenes tour. Light fixture occupancy sensors have been installed throughout office spaces and restrooms and compact fluorescent fixtures are used wherever possible. Some of the other cool features include low-flow bathroom fixtures and automatic faucets and toilets, low-emitting materials, including paint, solvents, and carpets were used during construction, recycling of 50% of construction waste. thats That's a beautiful thing. And six, skylights allow natural light to fill many public areas, thereby decreasing the need for electric lighting during the daytime hours. What is the benefit to society from this project? Since opening in 2008, millions of people have visited the Capitol, entering through the Capitol Visitor Center. The center provides really an increased focus on the visitor comfort, safety, and security, which results really in a a super positive visitor experience. And I can attest to that myself. I was there about a month ago, and it was just an awesome experience all the way around. There's several references that we use to gather this information that will all be linked to in the show notes at civilengineeringpodcast.com. And that concludes our civil engineering project of the week segment of today's episode. If you are currently working on or have worked on an interesting and or challenging civil engineering project, we would love to feature it on the show. You can submit your projects at civilengineeringpodcast.com forward slash projects, or just go to civilengineeringpodcast.com and click the red submit your project button. And the reason I chose this project today is because it had huge geotechnical challenges with the excavation and you can research this more and just dig into the whole excavation of this project was phenomenal but that's going to lead us into the civil engineering conversation of the week where i speak with the geotechnical engineer who's been practicing for over 50 years let's jump into that conversation right now
2: the drive to work in a small company or have your own company is very real very early in career people like to see their ideas manifest Probably would lean to a smaller company. Becoming an expert is the fact that you stand with the project, even if it's not a good one? Right. And uh, respond to your clients.
1: All right, so now it's time for this week's uh, civil engineering conversation where we usually talk with a civil engineering professional who's had success in their field or maybe striving towards a specific goal. Today's guest is Tom Otto from the Geotechnical Department LLC, and I say LLC to emphasize that that's Tom's company. It's not a, a department in a bigger firm, um, although Tom's work had worked in many different firms and has had his own firm, so we'll, we'll dig into some of that. Tom's been practicing as a geotechnical engineer for how long, roughly, Tom?
2: 70, well, right out of school, 50 some odd years, but in my own practice, about 35 years.
1: Okay, so 35 years with his own practice, Mm -hmm. 50 years approximately as a a geotechnical engineer. And, you know, I'm sure he's been in a lot of situations from working with small companies, large companies. He's worked on projects of all types and sizes. Uh, Tom and I spent a few years together. Uh, we worked for a consulting firm in New Jersey and kind of have kept in touch since. So I'm here just having lunch with Tom, and I thought it would be good to pick his brain a bit on, on some questions that might be helpful for up-and-coming engineers. Um, you know, Tom, I guess one question that I get a lot from engineers is thinking about working for a small company versus one of these you know, large mega companies. I'm sure you've done both, and I'm sure that there's good and bad on both sides. Is there anything you can share about that maybe?
2: Yes, I, I think so. Um, the, the drive to work in a small company or have your own company
0: is very real, very early in
2: career. I have
0: found that in my case and in uh, my some
2: of my associates who are small practices. They always wanted to be by themselves and doing it all. I also think that in the educational process, there are engineers who learn how to overlook the entire project versus those who want to spend time on details. Right. And the guy who wants to spend time on details is going to prefer the large company where they put him in a position, and he, he spends time solving a problem in particular, and moves on to the next. <laughs> and the other is the business end of it. Some engineers just do not want to, or they can't, or they just don't want to be business people. In a small firm, you have to be. Right. We're not good businessmen yeah. or yeah. women, but um, that's one of the problems in small companies. But you have to appreciate it. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you found that
1: most of the people that you know that have their own practices or work in small companies they've kind of had that fire early on. Oh yes,
2: definitely, yeah, okay. they've had that fire. While they were working for large companies, they knew that they wanted to do something on their own, mainly because they had good ideas and they didn't know where to apply them. So sure. the big company, you go to the boss, your boss, He's only one of, you know, maybe 20 people in the row. Right. And people like to see their ideas manifest. Probably would lean to a smaller company. Sure, sure.
1: So that's interesting to note. If you are a civil engineer, you know, if you do have that itch and you're young, then, you know, you have that itch and it's probably going to manifest itself at some point in your career by either, you know, driving you to go out on your own, or, you know, work for a small company and really help develop that company. Tom, talk a little bit about... uh, I know it's important as a civil engineer to become an expert, you know, to be seen as an expert in your field. I know for you, you've been doing it for a while, you've got a lot of contacts. Every time we talk, you're really busy, and I'm sure because people see you as an expert in your field. That obviously happens over time, but but what are some things that people can do beyond just doing the work every day that can help you to get noticed as an expert
2: Good question um, I think that probably getting involved in the engineering community is one of the uh, one of the uh, ways that you can begin to uh, prepare yourself or to to get into a situation where you're hired because you're an expert, there are two levels of this, though. Also, an expert could be in in design, planning, construction, and the other expert can be in the legal field. Okay, um, they're very different, and um, the if if the person is interested in in getting involved with the legal they can advertise in the lawyer's journals or in the joint arbit- become an arbiter and that's an entirely another field some engineers in smaller companies do both but but becoming an expert is the fact that you stand with the project and if it's not a good one. Right. And uh, respond to your clients. Okay. They may not, you might not be a technically an expert, but if you're a good service provider, people will consider that as, as you are an expert because they like you. And the way to do that is uh, answer every phone call. Yeah. <laughs> but there are these two, two areas that I think are significant regarding the word expert, yep. one being the technology and the other being legal.
1: Okay, that's interesting. So it's two types, two, two um, different realms.
2: Yeah, some, some engineering companies do only that kind of thing, legal and insurance claims and things of that nature. Uh, I work for a company that specializes in insurance claim work uh, for 25 years. I've been as a consultant for them. Uh,
1: okay. All right, so there's different areas of expertise, different realms of being an expert. Yeah. And we did a podcast episode, a civil engineering podcast episode 6 with Rob D'Onofrio. He talked a lot about how he developed his expertise through being an author, working on a very large project, One World Trade Center, um, so there's different things you can do in your field, and like Tom suggests, getting out there and getting involved in the community, whether it's professional associations, networking. I know, Tom, I think you used to give some seminars too, right, For some of these well, associations?
2: Well, what I did is, yeah, I, I did. I was involved. I was in one of the um, companies that Offer. Continued education. I taught a course in, in,
0: in geotechnical
2: for that. Uh, I also uh, taught for a couple of years at, at the New Jersey Institute, and I had a very good friend who was a professor at Stevens. And uh, I said, "Can let me talk to your class every once in a while." I and mean, that was a that was a very rewarding experience, standing up in front of a, a bunch of smart seniors and and just talking about you know real, real work. That's good.
1: And I, and I think for engineers that are listening too, when you have these teaching opportunities, whether you're giving a seminar, teaching a course, <clears throat> I think that's very helpful with you building your confidence and your speaking skills, which are critical as engineering. I mean, listen, civil engineer, you're going to be up in front of some kind of audience, whether it's a town board, planning board, clients, whatever the case may be, and the more opportunities you give yourself to practice and to be comfortable with it, I think it's only going to help you in your career as you as you progress. So I think that I think that, that can help you in that way as well. Um, another question that I have for you, Tom, is you spent a lot of time as a business owner and probably you didn't have a big staff, meaning that you had to do a lot of things on your own. And I think one of the, the challenges I can see with that is you really have to hone in on what the important things are, right? Where to spend your yeah, time? Yeah, definitely sure. How do you how do you do that?
2: Well, if if you're short on cash,
0: <laughs>
2: that um, the operation of the business is, is, is a priority because especially if you have employees, you have responsibility for them. Um, however. Sometimes getting involved with the technical end in more depth and generating a continuing relationship with an owner or a client helps the business because the the cash, in other words, the business, the flow of money, which is business, is is enhanced by the fact that you've been that you're, that you're involved in a bigger project, and they like you. And there's no question about it. If they like what you're doing, whatever, they treat you better as a business.
1: So, have you had to, <clears throat> based on the size of your company, have you had to say, okay, listen, these are the services we can do, and there's certain services that we just don't take on, basically?
2: I think you have to do that. I think that's professionally your responsibilities, is not taking on something that you don't feel comfortable with or have a background in. It. You know, just as I was mentioning in our discussion before here, mm-hmm. there was an inquiry, uh, a telephone inquiry, about doing some quality control geotechnical work in the city, New York City, and my answer to that is that we do not do quality control work. We're really in support of design, and that he that that person might want to go to a, a professional lab. And I gave them a couple of names. You know, so so you got to be careful with that. Even if you're hurting and you need work, yeah, you can't. You can't get out there. I got in a couple of binds where I was well over my head. in Technology, and I just went out and got the engineer that could do it, and uh, I lost uh, time and money in that regard. Right. So you got to be very careful.
1: <clears throat> yeah, and I think that there's, I think that there's a lot of benefit too in you know being really good in, in a specific field, like a niche field. Um, whereas you, you are becoming, like we talked about being an expert, you know, if there's certain types of field that you're in, instead of, as a civil engineer, a geotechnical engineer, a structural engineer, instead of trying to do everything, sometimes it's not such a bad thing. Maybe you're the, you're the go-to concrete person or, you know, like like I mentioned before, when we talked to Rob D'Onofrio, he's author of a 700-plus page book on construction schedule delays. So, you know, I know sometimes it's a challenge, You may be like all different kinds of civil engineering. You want to try them all, which is probably okay when you're early on in your career. But I think as you develop, a lot of times you're going to say, you know what? I really like this niche and I'm going to focus on this niche. And that's going to help you to grow and maybe get that expertise, get those clients, whether it's your own firm or you're building a department for a bigger
2: firm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's on. That's, that's realistic. Yeah, but um, but I, but if it's a small firm, you you got to be specialized initially. Uh, big firms were all one-time small firms, not necessarily, but but you know, in in engineering, I think you might say that in general. And they just inherited more types of work and they went out into the marketplace of the job and got engineers that could do that and either hired them or asked them to join. Right. And they built those firms up. But, but certainly, you've got, to, you've got to be careful with the technology. If you reach out too quick and too fast, it's not going to work for you. Yep. You're not only going to be embarrassed, mm-hmm. you're going to be in trouble
1: yeah. Alright, just a couple of last questions Tom, um, you've been doing this for a long time, is there any specific um, rituals you have, for example, like do you do you know, something in the morning every day as far as like, you know, part of your practice of engineering, like design work at one time of the day, meetings at another time of the day is there anything that you follow that's been helpful for you?
2: Um, I'm not sure what the, like,
1: like, for example um, I know some engineers that I talk to will have like weekly day where they do all their project site visits do you have anything that's routine
2: um, yes answering the phone calls okay very important or now any emails that come in even if it doesn't seem to be terribly related
0: okay
2: I, I answer them and, I, and every day I schedule time for that oh you do okay so you have to yeah. schedule
1: time for like email and stuff
2: yeah yeah. And um, and then basically, uh, I have a, a priority list.
0: Yeah.
2: And uh, then I try to accommodate my clients who are fast tracking, or okay. you know, I try to because that's what they want. And uh, that's a daily operation making sure what I'm doing. That day first.
1: So you start with your this priority list in the morning, and this is what I got. Yeah. okay I, I kind of review that every other day at least,
2: just to see that. And if I'm behind with somebody else, I call them and tell them. I said, "I'm sorry, I'm a little delayed. Been a little busy." Ninety percent of the time, that's not a problem. Then, don't you keep that client advised? If you ignore them, then you know. That. So, part of that, part of the daily operation is, 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 the, is uh, the, the priority, and you know, we're implementing it okay. as well as uh, deciding what is the priority. Do you
1: do the email stuff? Just depending on your schedules that day, or do you do it like a similar time every day, like in the afternoon or something, or does it just depend on how the day looks?
2: Well, probably, I don't think it's a specific time. Okay, however the but, day shakes but out. But I do do, uh, do it generally in the morning after office hours. They After the offices have been functioning for a while. Okay. Uh, you know, 9.30, 10.30. Okay. And then in the afternoon, you know, three thirty, four thirty, to wrap the days up. So, but okay. uh, but that's that's sort of a routine, yeah. Not Excellent. Gym, not
1: no, that's, that's what I was looking for.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, the other question is: Do you? Is there any books that you've read that have been helpful for you, maybe with your business, or that you've recommended to people? Could be engineering related. Could be non-engineering related. Just if some if an engineer is looking to get a resource that might be helpful for
0: them.
2: I uh, can't put my finger on a book, but I'll give you an example of, of one thing I did do. Um, mm-hmm. When I graduated from college, it was a very technical school, and uh, I didn't have a lot of skills in writing, reading, okay. and business, so... When I started taking graduate courses, I said, I better take some business courses. Because I never had anything like that in college, an undergrad school. And so I did that, and that was very interesting. I took at least three or four courses. Unfortunately, one of the schools that I was at made me, insisted that I matriculate, and I didn't want to, so I went to another school and and I just not mention it because yeah. I'm on in the interview. <laughs> but they were happy and and I got I got a a real good feel for business and um, uh, you know I'm that's one of the things that I thought was important so I can't put a book I can probably no but that's fine
1: you took business courses basically that were helpful for you
2: I took English courses okay good technical writing course I took because I felt weak in those areas and I definitely wanted to be in my own business sure well
1: that's good those of you out there that are interested and have that entrepreneurial itch, mm-hmm. you know, take a business course. And there's a lot of resources online these days. You don't even have to go to a school. You can take all kinds yeah, of courses. I, I
2: saw that in my news in the newsletter today, that schools is offering a master's in civil engineering online. Yeah. not sure I like the idea, but yeah, I they're mean, offering listen,
1: it. E- even for just a business course, there's, there's tons of resources online. Last question for Tom is, I always ask this question at the end. I call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question. So if you got an elevator with a, a young civil engineer, you had about 30, 40 seconds to give them some career advice, what would you tell him or her?
2: Get on the job when you're young. See what's going on. Even if you like the math, if you want to sit around and do the, the math and theory and all those things get out on the job when you be begin your career and you can appreciate what all is happening and that's very important even if you're just grinding and designing in the office you've got to have a good feel what it looks like feels like and spells like out there
1: that's great that's and i you know you're preaching to the choir here because i started in high school doing surveying and if i didn't do that surveying work i think it It would have been very difficult to do civil engineering design because I understood how everything was working in the field. It's really invaluable, invaluable advice.
2: Yeah, I think that's very important. Yeah, getting out on the job, getting you know, just sitting there watching somebody dig a hole can certainly give you some insight down the road. Yeah,
1: and I've, I've witnessed hundreds of holes for uh, septic systems in in upstate so um all right so thanks tom (laughs) thanks tom for uh taking some time today um if you're listening to the show and you want to just look for a little bit of a recap of what we talked about you can go to civilengineeringpodcast.com and you can look for today's episode which will be there for you and until next week i wish you all the
0: best in your civil engineering career endeavors Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com, where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. back.